Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Do you own a motorhome, caravan, campervan or tent? Head to thatleisureshop.com for all your outdoor living essentials. Camping furniture, cookware, spares, e-bikes and more. Visit us in store in North Somerset at BS24 6RT or shop online and get free delivery on all orders over £150. Everything you need for your next outdoor adventure. Thatleisureshop.com. Enjoy the journey. Welcome back to another Motorhome Matt podcast with me, Keith Gooden, and Motorhome Matt Sims. Hey, Keith. Good to be here. Great to be here with you as well. Matt, we're going to dive straight in on this one because it's something that's made a big question mark in my head. We're talking about motorhoming, how great it is. And we have talked over the weeks about the costs involved. But how do you budget for it? What were the cost of living crisis, which is hitting everybody in the UK at the moment? I want to buy my motorhome. I want to be a motorhomer and caravanner. So what's it actually going to cost me? You strike me as a caravanner. Oh, I, I thought it was a, a motorhome. A what does that actually mean? Yeah, I, I would have thought somebody in charge of a huge Winnebago with their fourth poster bed imported from San Diego or somewhere like no, that. You I, obviously don't see me that way. No, I don't see you in Meet the Fockers. <laughs> remember that more like carry on camping yeah, yeah oh definitely oh definitely <laughs> let's talk about motorhomes so and i've got way more experience of this than i have i, I own a caravan as well but um we've had both but i've had a lot more motorhomes than i've had caravans so i can talk with a bit more authority so i get, the first thing is you've got to buy it <laughs> unless you can borrow it i started out by borrowing a motorhome she was called phoebe and it was a really old American uh, Fleetwood Southwind, it was. A uh, lovely old thing. And we were able to borrow it. And we kept it. We never gave it back. <laughs> and then eventually we did pay for it about a year later. Uh, as the guy I borrowed it from, a friend of mine, didn't want it anymore. So um, we were able to start by borrowing it. But these days, of course, £6,000 bought me that RV way back then. Uh, gosh, late 90s probably. Nowadays, you're not going to find a motorhome for 6K. Not when you could live in anyway. <laughs> and stay dry <laughs> uh, you're probably looking at 20k plus prices have gone up we keep talking about this don't we I'm referring to it but it's true it's the reality they've become a more expensive pastime to purchase and in fact the running costs have gone up as, as well of course with fuel but what does it actually cost so probably you're budgeting around 20k thereabouts you may be fortunate and find something cheaper new you're looking at probably 50k mark nowadays up to well gosh Hundreds of thousands if you wanted to. £100,000 is going to buy you something very German, uh, certainly European built. Uh, there are a few UK manufacturers in that price point as well. Uh, and it's going to be something very salubrious um, and very luxurious. And of course, then when you're buying it, the dealer's going to offer you a whole plethora of, of extras, uh, new or used. That you're going to be offered things like, a, you know, do you want to accessorise it? Uh, maybe you want to put a television aerial on it, a satellite dome. Maybe you want to put motorhome Wi-Fi in it. That's increasingly become a trend and satellite dishes are becoming a thing of the past, uh, which is good because Wi-Fi is a lot cheaper. An awning, you know, that sun canopy that goes on the side that re retracts back into the cartridge on the side of the motorhome. Uh, they're lovely in the summer, but all these things carry a cost. And so it's possible to spend 
thousands of pounds before you even leave the dealership. Before, in fact, before you've even taken ownership of it, go. Yeah, I'll have one of those, one of those. And if it's new, there's an options list. And yeah, I'm I'm a mug for the options list. Alloy wheels, yeah, that's a man thing, isn't it? <laughs> I'm yet to meet a woman that says, yeah, alloy wheels, they're a must have. Uh, it's always the men that want the alloy wheels. Bike rack, yeah, we need a bike rack. Never cycled in my life, but we need a bike rack. The awning, yeah, lovely to have. That's great. Motorhome Wi-Fi, yeah, great one. Automatic gear, but oh, definitely, yeah, the cars also. Let's have that as well. And suddenly, you spent ten grand on all these bits and bobs that you know are lovely to have, but they just carry a cost and they carry a weight, which is a different podcast on payload, uh, which you can find in the library of podcasts here. Consider the weight of all these things as well, and that's before you've bought table chairs knives forks spoons you know those special melamine plates that rattle less than the ones that, that from ikea do i mean you could spend a thousand pounds on cookware bakeware tableware you know outdoor furniture easily easily i mean some camping chairs these days you can spend 200 pounds plus on a chair so it can add up really quickly so when you hire out motorhomes as part of your business do you hire all those accessories with it or is it something that even if you hire your motorhome that you should buy for yourself and keep in the garage when you're not using them a motorhome holiday company we include all of that stuff so they come fully equipped we have a shop as well and our hire customers aren't really good customer prospects for the shop because they don't need to buy anything everything's in there you know even the toilet chemical uh, we even put a scour of sponge in so you can wash up yeah all that stuff when you're hiring one is normally included some hire companies will charge for the outdoor furniture as an option and there may be other optional extras like a bike rack we include it all it's dead easy so I've already dropped £40,000 if I'm not hiring, if I'm buying on the motorhome and some of those nice shiny accessories that you've been uh, talking about. Am I on the road? Am I ready to go? Nearly. So you've got to tax it. Even if it's used, it's going to need road tax. And of course, those rules changed, didn't they? Now, when you buy a used vehicle, the road tax doesn't transfer to the new keeper, which people often forget. So before you can drive it away, you've got to road tax it. Now, there are two price bands for motorhome road tax. Uh, They're not like cars. It's not based on emissions. Provided the vehicle is a a category M1 in the vehicle type, then it's considered by the DVLA to be a leisure vehicle, a camper van vehicle, motorhome. And so there are two tax bands. If it's under three and a half tonnes, at the moment, it's £270 a year to tax the vehicle. If it's over three and a half tonnes, it's 165 And that makes you a private heavy goods vehicle. Why it's cheaper for being a heavier motorhome is not clear to me. I have some cynical views about that, um, about the fact there's a lot more HGVs on the road than there are private light goods. And... You don't need many of those to block a road if the price went up. Um, that's my view anyway. But that's what it's going to cost to road tax. And, of course, it needs an MOT. Be MOT'd every year once it's three years old. So often when you're buying a new motorhome, the road tax might be included from the dealer. That's something you need to ask them. And, of course, it doesn't need an MOT. And it wouldn't need a service at that point. The dealer's going to do all of that for you. You might have the option of buying an extra warranty. They will normally come with a manufacturer's warranty brand new. A second-hand one will often come with a warranty that you could increase, increase the cover uh, or the extents of the warranty cover. And you need to think about a service plan. Do you want to buy a service plan? It's very common with cars, 
less so with motorhomes. Some dealerships have a vision for this about keeping you coming back uh, and they want to have that customer relationship with you for a longer term. And you can basically prepay or pay monthly for your servicing and MOT as you go through a relationship with, with that motorhome. So we've already established then that the cost of the motorhome, if you buy it, could be, say, thirty or £40,000 quite easily. But as we've discussed in previous podcasts, these things hold their value. If you're going to sell it in three years' time, you're likely, not guaranteed, but likely, given the market conditions at the moment, to get your money back. Yep. Um, you can always hire, um, as we've discussed before. So actually, once that capital cost, you've spent it, that big lump of money, the ongoing costs are quite reasonable. They are. You've got to insure it as well before you can drive it away. Motorhome insurance is typically between 300 and, I don't know, maybe £800. Ours is around £400 a year uh, for our personal use. And, of course, it's going to depend on the value of the motorhome uh, and where you live uh, and where you're storing it as well. So if you're storing it on the drive at home and you're in a fairly low crime postcode, then your insurance premium is going to be lower. It will also be determined by your own claim history. You know, if you had five cars nicked and 14 broken into, then, you know, your insurance company are going to want to charge you for that. But, you know, if you're like me, I'm fortunate. We live in a very rural area where crime is low um, and so our premiums are lower as a result. You know, those are factors that are going to determine the premium. And people always take insurance uh, quotes personally, don't they? Uh, you know, I've been driving a long time. Uh, you know, I'm a safe driver and all the rest. But you do have to understand that you, the insurance company, it's the level of risk that they're applying, as you say, to where you live, uh, where you live, where you're storing it. There could have been a spate of motorhome uh, thefts, you know, within 10 miles of you over the last five years. Things you don't know about, but they will all um, have a bearing on they do. the quote that the insurance company will give yeah, you. They do. And it's really important on this point that you get specialist motorhome insurance it's very easy to go to tesco and get a quote from them i I recommend you don't do that Um, nothing against tesco but to get a motorhome specific policy you then know that the true value of the vehicle is going to be reflected in the cover they're giving you uh, and if something goes wrong it's going to be covered and they're going to want to know the category of the vehicle you know if it's a van that's been converted that you've bought is it a van with windows? Is it a motorhome, a camper van? What is it? And that's going to have a real uh, impact on your premium. And bear in mind, if it's still a van, but it's got an £8,000 conversion and you've just paid 20 k for it, and it's a van, it's going to be insured for £1,500. If it's stolen, that's what you're going to get. So really important, you check the cover and you go to a specialist. There are lots of them out there. I would avoid these, you know, go compare and the comparison sites and go and look out a specific motorhome insurer. And we, we have a podcast planned where we're going to talk to a few specific leisure vehicle insurers uh, and get them to talk to us about motorhome cover specifically. And it's nothing against those comparison sites, but their business model is based on the private motorist and as you said, with motorhoming, it's a specialist uh, part uh, of motoring and you need to talk to the experts. So what other costs are there involved then? So there's a, a something called a habitation check, which if your motorhome is still under manufacturer warranty, so it's quite new, manufacturer warranties generally are two or three years long. And then there's often a five or 10 year water ingress cover. So that's basically damp water getting in, which is the enemy of any motorhome. 
For that cover to stay in play, the manufacturer is going to want that vehicle inspected every year by an improved engineer. So that isn't you going around with a damp meter and checking the gas oven and checking the hob and checking the drawers, you know, everything that goes on in a habitation check. It is somebody who is assessed annually, someone who has an approval from an exterior body uh, and someone whose view and inspection of the motorhome can be trusted. These guys are mobile and you can go to a dealer and take to a a motorhome service centre and have it done. You don't need to have one of these approved people look at your motorhome if it's not under manufacturer warranty but I'd recommend you have someone who knows what they're doing look at it. They're going to do an electrical safety check, they're going to do a gas safety inspection So gas pressure, gas leakage, and to do that stuff, you need specialist equipment. Um, They'll do a proper damp inspection. They'll know where to look for damp in your motorhome. Motorhomes let water in in different places depending on the model, the design and build, and the quality of the build. And we know where to look on different models. So some will leak in the garage uh, in the back of the motorhome, some will leak under the bed, some will leak around a certain locker frame. We know that as people who've been doing this for years. And we do do habitation checks in our business, so we know what to look for. It's really important you get that level of insight. Um, look at yours. And once you've had that habitation check, and we were talking about insurance, can that ha- lower your insurance policy? Uh, it, it mu- I don't know if it will lower the premium, but it might be a condition of your insurance company. I've had more and more reports from people that their insurers want this done every year and they want to see the proof. Um, whether this is something that's you know becoming more prolific, I don't know. But certainly it's something I'm hearing more of, that the insurance company want to see an annual habitation check and they want to see the evidence we'll see where that goes but i know lots of people that they they do lots of checks on the motorhome themselves and very fastidiously too so they choose to have a habitation check done every other year maybe that's safe if you're living in it full time i'm not sure that's such a good idea you know because the risk of carbon monoxide poisoning is very real from a boiler or a fridge that's failing you know i saw something on facebook where someone took a bend on a roundabout and the fridge fell out of the mat, out of the motorhome whilst they were driving along the screws had sheared and it was you know it was unfortunate and whether that was just unlucky poor workmanship I, I don't know but that fridge should be sealed in because in the back of it is a naked flame because it runs on gas and that flame creates carbon monoxide and that chamber that the fridge sits in must be absolutely sealed properly so no matter how safe you consider yourself to be or how as you say fastidious insurance companies and perhaps you should be considering a third party doing these inspections just yeah. for safety so the safety of your family forget insurance you're taking your family out in it yeah. you want them to be safe don't you and every year there is a report of a motorhome or caravan catching fire somewhere on a campsite and it's normally as a result of a vehicle that's not been serviced either properly or at all it's normally something to do with gas something's leaked exploded caught fire uh, and you know, lives are at risk when that happens. Um, Absolutely. And carbon monoxide uh, poisoning, that's a silent killer as well. Just to explain to people who don't know, carbon monoxide, if it gets into your system, it boots out the oxygen from your bloodstream and you just go asleep and never wake up. It's an insidious yeah. killer. We have very strong laws in this country for it. And, and they extend to the motorhome, don't they? They do. Yeah, they do. And, and so a carbon monoxide alarm is one of the best purchases talking of expenses yeah and and again smoke alarm as well um they're one of the most sensible features that you can purchase for your 
for your motor home, along with the other safety stuff as well, fire extinguisher, fire blanket, they're very, very sensible addition. So we've talked about a lot of the costs, the capital cost if you're buying, uh, the cost of the accessories, insurance uh, and maintenance. Uh, are we any closer to getting a net figure for, for, for the year? <laughs> we're, we're on the road now. <laughs> we've got some figures. We'll go through them at the end, shall we, just to top them up. Uh, so then you've got to think about storing it. Uh, where are you going to put it? So if you've got it on your drive, are there any costs to that? Well, maybe you might have to knock part of the house down, take a garden wall out. I know people that have done more extremes than that. Um, but you need to think about uh, security. So I would always suggest a wheel clamp. Very good idea. A steering wheel lock. The more visible, the better. We'd, we've done an episode on motorhome security, haven't we? And and as you reference, motorhome theft is on the up. And in parts of the country, it's really climbing. Uh, just simply because motorhomes have gone up in value and the spare parts are becoming harder and harder to obtain. And you know, there's stories of dealerships being broken into and boilers, fridges, sinks, hobs, front seats, entire dashboards being stolen out of motorhomes that are on display. That's just horrendous. And yes, that business is insured, but that is months of them having to work really hard to try and get that stock back into a state where they can sell it. It's an absolute disaster for them. And I feel for them. And this crime is awful. And it's going on throughout the country uh, and increasingly so. So you need to think really carefully about security of your motorhome and go and check out the podcast episode where we talk about security ideas for your for your motorhome really important and maybe you're not going to put it on your drive but you're going to put it into storage well that carries a fee as well you need to think then again about security the same rules apply you know the harder you can make it for it to be taken the more likely it is you're going to keep it so the costs are racking up, aren't they? I don't want to be negative about this because motorhoming is a fantastic uh, hobby, isn't it? And people should be considering it. And I suppose you need to balance it off with the, what you're going to be paying for holidays abroad you might not be taking now you've got your motorhoming. But have we reached the end of the list yet, Matt? <laughs> the list never ends, Keith. Because <laughs> my wallet is trembling. It's a motorhome. It's just, they're just bottomless pits if you want to be. I mean, you can, you can pay someone to clean it if you want. You know, I mean, there's another cost. Again, that's completely optional, but... You know, £25 is going to get, you know, the local car wash to do it and probably use a whole load of traffic film remover or TFR, which is evil, all over it and ruin the paint, a pressure washer and blast all the sealant out. Can you tell I'm not a fan? So, yeah, I would get a professional valeter if you're going to want someone else to to clean it, especially on the roof. um, You're looking at possibly £100 typically for a valeter to come to your house and do that. You don't have to do that. But there are annual costs as well. So the servicing, MOT, the habitation check is an annual cost. It's a once a year. Um, And we'll summarise these at the end, shall we? It's probably easiest. You mean we haven't reached the end? The list goes on? (laughs) Well, you've got wear and tear. So, you know, you're going to break stuff. You know, a curtain rail is going to come off. A bathroom handle is going to come off in your hand. Tires are going to wear out. So you've got some wear and tear, which you're going to need to consider and think about as well. You need to look at the mileage of the motorhome. So how old is it and how many miles has it done? If it's second hand, does it need a cam belt? Now, motorhomes have a cam belt. And the recommendation is, well, it seems to vary, actually, depending on which website you go to. Personally, I would say three to five years is a good time to change the cam belt or 50,000 miles, no more. I'd say that's very sensible. 
because some, uh, I'm not sort of talking about motorhomes now, I'm talking about cars. Uh, the cam belt change uh, recommendations do seem to have gone up over the years from 50, as you say, to maybe 80,000 miles. Are, are you saying that even when you read the manual and the recommendations, that actually you should be erring on the side of caution when it comes to cam belts? I, I would. I mean, if a cam belt snaps on you, that's the end of your engine. Yeah, that's a big bill. Yeah. Um, and Because just to let you know, it's the cam belt which is keeping everything turning in the right order and once it goes the engine yeah. just just goes it, into all sorts of it, it turns the top middle and bottom of the engine keeps it all in time yeah. and hence is often called a timing belt yeah. and if it snaps everything goes out of time and it all crashes in the middle and it's a disaster if you have a warranty it's probably not going to be covered by it because it would be deemed wear and tear yeah. uh, and so i would definitely consider a cam belt change and you know they're not terribly expensive to have done but definitely a good peace of mind uh, and on older motorhomes, you need to consider things like discs and pads and all those things you would have on a car, the exhaust system, perhaps the clutch. We've mentioned EGR valves in a previous episode. What's that again, EGR? Exhaust gas release. So motorhomes often are driven very sedately. There are pride and joy, uh, and they're driven quite nicely. People know. take care. Yeah, they take care. Low rev. They don't really let them get really hot and no. high rev. It's not a racing car, after all, it's or even not. a performance car. And we're on holiday. We're not in a hurry. The downside of that, is all the cokes that build up in the engine, all the carbon emissions, and they block up these valves and they never get burnt off. Uh, and so good practice every now and again is hold it in second gear, hold it in third gear, let it rev up only once it's warm, let the engine warm up, and then do this every now and again. Let it really rev. You'll use a little bit of fuel uh, to do this, but it will just let it get hot and let it burn off these these little excess bits of carbon deposit, and you'll keep your exhaust gas release valve working happily. Diesel additives are a good idea. Uh, they help clean a different part of the engine, the particulate filter, uh, and you can buy these little additives you put in the fuel, and they're a great idea. When we're servicing a motor, we add it every year um, and keep our customers' diesel systems nice and clean. But some of these things is that people already do with their cars. If you own a diesel car, uh, you could consider doing it for your car as well. So Absolutely, these yeah. things aren't just... Uh, for for motorhomes, no. yes, yes, it's a cost. It's an extra cost, but it, it, again, it's it's a maintenance pattern it's which a, you've it, probably been doing on your own car. It's a few pounds. That's mm. it. That's it. And then, of course, to use the motorhome, you you probably want to join a club. There are a number of clubs out there: the Caravan and Motorhome Club, and the Camping and Caravanning Club. There are just two. That means you get access to their campsites at a discounted rate. Uh, and then, of course, other camp. There are hundreds and thousands of other campsites uh, which all charge a fee to stay the night, of course. If you're going onto the continent, there are sites that are free. And of course, travelling means you've got fuel. So, you know, that's going to be a very subjective cost. Have we reached the end of the list yet? It's expensive. I... <laughs> it keeps totting up. I've reached the end of my written list. I mean, there are, of course, there are there are many more costs, but, uh, you know, many of those things are optional. Right. Well, let's sit down now. Okay. okay. I've, I've got my uh, motor home. I've decided to take the plunge. I want to own one. So I've shelled out that large capital cost. We've already established over many weeks of this podcast that uh, it's likely, not guaranteed, but likely that the value of it will hold. It won't be a depreciating asset like a car is. For well, I'll give, give you a real life story on that. So I sold a lovely uh, motor home called an Adria Twin. It's a van conversion, six metres long. Uh, and sold it secondhand, actually. Well, I originally sold it brand new when I owned the dealership uh, and then bought it back, sold it again, and sold it two and a half years ago uh, to a lovely man, and I just bought it back from him a few weeks ago, and we basically gave him his money back nearly three years later. 
So it's fair to say that that capital cost on a motorhome could be an investment. It could, yeah, definitely. I mean, his holidays were free. He actually only used it a few times because obviously he'd been through the whole lockdown thing of 2020, 2021. So it hadn't had a lot of use. But, you know, imagine if that was a Range Rover, you know, 100 grand out the door at the point you purchase, brand new. And three years later, it's going to be 50K. It's typical, isn't it, with a car, they say, oh, you lose 20% straight away. You lose the VAT. Well, with a motorhome, you don't. I hear lots of stories almost every day of people who say, oh, we're thinking of selling it. We've rung the dealer and they've said, oh, we'll give you what you paid for it three years ago. You know, we're desperate for stock. And, and then they see it advertised more, than the, more expensive than a new one. <laughs> so we're not guaranteeing it, but the, <laughs> no. the, the way the, the market has been for the last uh, 12 months or so due to pandemic and wars and all the rest of it, at the moment, that's the way the market is. Yeah, so I've spent absolutely. my money. It's an investment. It is. I've got my ongoing costs. Now, uh, what, what are we basing this on? A family of, what, two, four, six, eight? So let's say you're buying a, a four-berth, mid-range motorhome, second-hand. You're probably going to spend 30K, 35K, somewhere around there. Um, I mean, that's such a subjective answer and people would do their research. My advice is go and look at as many as possible. And again, there's another podcast episode on choosing the best motorhome for you. Uh, So go and check that out. Most people find that I speak to anyway, they look at the kind of 20K market and kind of go, oh dear, you know, it was horrible. It still had his knickers in and her bra, you know. Yeah, but tight. uh, yeah, and it, yeah. you know it smelt, um, <laughs> and and that's true. Yeah, and and that's also going to depend, you know, where it's for sale as well. Um, and so they realise pretty quickly that if they up the budget by ten or fifteen k into that thirty plus thousand pound mark, the type of motorhome you can buy now is is massively improved. It's a much newer chassis, less miles, less use, much more modern interior and some nicer features and and, and fixtures and so on. So you're going to have your £30,000, but we've already established with the way the market is, is that could be an investment for the future. So now, uh, you know, a four berth uh, motorhome, let's say it's it's two adults and two children. You're going to go on holiday abroad, say to Spain or somewhere like that. Uh, that, What's that, two, two and a half, three thousand pounds for that holiday? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. 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 So so what I'm trying to get to, the point I'm trying to get to is, are the ongoing costs with the ownership of that motorhome going to balance off the costs of my holiday? Say I go once a year for a big holiday and then have a, a little break uh, abroad. So let's say I'm spending £5,000 a year on holidays and we know that that would be a, a budget those will be budget holidays for, for so five thousand pounds a year on a what flying somewhere holiday. yeah flying somewhere no, but now you. i've got my motorhome okay. and i'm going away so how does that five thousand pounds a year divide into my costs for my motorhome excluding the purchase price? yeah yeah okay i get it so you could easily spend that motorhoming but it depends how often you're going to use it so you know most people find their motorhome sat on the drive for 48 weeks of the year because they do several weekends and a, maybe a week or two in the summer. So is it a viable investment in terms of that holiday uh, experience? Arguably, yes. It's easy to talk yourself into it. It's more about, I think, buying the flexibility and the ability to say, the weather's great, let's go. Lots of people go out for the day. They don't even stay the night. You know, just go off for a day trip. You've got your kitchen, you've got your bathroom, you've got all the facilities, you've got your own hotel on wheels. It's very easy to take a cold look at motorhoming. Motorhome isn't a cheap holiday. I don't think it ever has been, really. Um, it's not. You can get bargain deals if you buy enough copies of The Sun. You can go wherever for you know a few pounds if you collect enough vouchers. Um, would it be a pleasant experience? I don't know. <laughs> 
Possibly not. It wouldn't be for me, but you know, I'm a snob by my own admission. But the key here is, and what I'm trying to get to, Matt, is, uh, as you say, motorhoming isn't cheap. It's not necessarily going to save you money. You shouldn't approach it with the uh, uh, the state of mind which says, uh, I'm going to buy a motorhome because it's cheap and cheerful, and I'm going to get. I'm not going to spend as much on holidays. What you're saying is, it's different. And you need to invest in it. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. It can be a cheaper holiday, definitely. I'd say it becomes a more affordable way of holidaying. Um, certainly, for I'm a father of four. And for us, you know, flying off to Costa del whatnot with all the kids, we're looking at seven or £8,000 in the summer if we want to pre-book it and have a plan. Business class. No, no, no. That'd be it. That'd be each. I've done business class in a previous life working and it's amazing, but I couldn't justify spending that, you know, personally. So it you know, those types of holidays with the kids by the pool, I mean they love it, but they are they are not cheap. That's a lot of holidays in a motorhome. I mean more than we'd ever do. And we will go to campsites where there there isn't a club, you know, a clubhouse. There might be a small bar might be a small shop we prefer and we choose to go to the quieter ones there might be a pool there might be you know kids climbing and stuff that kids can be busy doing but we tend to go to those quieter smaller campsites and we're looking at maybe 30 pounds a night to stay there and that's 90 pounds if we go for a weekend uh, plus some fuel so we're probably looking at spending 300 pounds with food and drink and so on for a weekend away and we can do that 10 times a year um, and that's where it becomes a very affordable super holiday. And actually, those are the holidays my kids remember more than, you know, that, sure, they have great memories of flying off to Tenerife and so on. But it's the motorhome holidays that I think they'll take forward into their adult lives and talk about. What makes the memories, isn't it? It is, yeah. We honestly have had some fantastic times. Um, some not so good times as well. British weather. <laughs> we, have yes. a rule, we have a rule of three. And if, if after three days it's still raining, then give up. Yeah, come home. <laughs> yeah. But when you own a motorhome, you can. You know, just leave it for next time. So we hope in the last 30 minutes or so that we've given you an idea about the costs of motorhoming, how much it costs initially as a capital cost. And Matt's been very explicit about what it could cost you as ongoing costs and what you need to do to stay safe uh, and also make the, the most of your motorhome. Any last tips, Matt, before we wrap up this uh, podcast? We need to put some numbers on it, don't we? We need to put some money in the game, as it were. So let's whistle stop through the cost, shall we, just in summary. So you know, you've got to buy it, you've got to insure it, Buying it, 30000 is a budget. That's down to the individual. Insurance is going to be a few hundred pounds, I would say. Servicing, you're looking at a few hundred pounds a year. Road tax, probably £270 a year. Uh, your MOT, if it needs it, you're probably looking at around £50, £60 pounds a year. Uh, and then accessorising it, it's very, very easy to spend £1,000. But you might just do that at the beginning. And that's your all your cutlery, cookware, bakeware. You might just take everything out of the house. You know, save save a small fortune, and then if you're storing it in a storage facility, you're looking at between three hundred and seven hundred pounds a year, probably depending on where you are in the country, uh, and uh, and and what sort of storage service you're getting. And then again, there's a podcast episode on that storing your motel or caravan, so you can find out a bit more about the things you need to consider for that. A cam belt, you're probably looking at around four or five hundred pounds. That probably is a one-off thing that you do whilst you own the motorhome. Uh, and then campsites, I say we choose campsites that are typically £30 a night. There's lots of lovely campsites that are £10 a night. It really depends where you want to stay. Uh, and then club membership, you're looking at around £40 to join a club. 
um, and fuel. That's a very subjective one as well. People always say to me, I think in this country we love to talk about how many miles per gallon does it do? I've never encountered that across Europe. It seems to be a, a British discussion point, like the weather. Does it matter? Well, that was the next question I was going to ask you. I was going to say, we've never actually said in any of the podcasts, what's it going to cost me in fuel per gallon? Because we are used to like 56 miles an hour. But we also know that over the last few years, that those measurements have been taken by manufacturing companies, no names, no pack drill, uh, which have actually <laughs> fixed the results. And that's been proven in court. And they're rubbish. Yeah. So... But, what are we thinking well, about? I mean, I, I fill up. I, I've got a, a Volvo at the moment. It's now costing me £109 to fill up the whole tank. Yeah. What does it cost me in a motorhome? So it's going it's to depend on the size of the tank. And some motorhomes have the tank cut in half in order to accommodate water tanks and so on. I filled ours up the other day and it was 140 quid, And it's a 90-litre tank. And what's that going to last you? How, you know, how much motorhoming can you do on that tank? Probably less than 500 miles. So we, ours is small, uh, the motorhome that we own and go away in. It's a, just a two-berth. We leave the kids at home. We are probably getting mid-20s to the gallon. Um, at a push, high 20s. Uh, if you're going in a big coach built, so that's the one with a, like a Luton van, maybe it's got an overcab bed, so it's got like an Elvis flick on the top of the head, you know, and it's a big motorhome, big six-berth, for example, you are going to get lower 20s to the gallon because it's carrying more weight, and it's a much bigger thing cutting through the air. So 20, 21, 22 to the gallon is realistic. But, you know, in reality, if you're going to travel in a weekend, how many miles are you actually going to do? One, 200 miles, maybe? Yeah, and, and you're getting 20-odd to the gallon. It's going to cost lots. <laughs> it's about 40, 50 quid. In my head, it came out at 37, but okay. 37? Yeah. Oh, I'll come with you. So, but in reality, you're going to spend... For between 30, 35 and £55, pounds. that's fair, isn't it? For a weekend away, in a, some fantastic British sunshine, you know, where you're giving everyone that's with you fantastic memories, for the sake of 40, 50 quid, I'd, I'd go a drop of a hat. Yeah, that's about £12 per person, isn't it? The campsite's going to cost you more than that. <laughs> <laughs> the beer I drink, the red wine is going to cost me more than that, that's for sure. Okay, then the cost of motorhoming. Hopefully, we have uh, covered many of the aspects that you want to hear about. But of course, if you want to know more, you can get in touch directly, can't you, man? Please, we'd love that. So, we'd love to know what you want us to talk about. We've had lots of people emailing us with questions and what ifs and what abouts. And please join the list. We'd, we're going through them and you're helping us create some great content, we hope. You can email us at team at motorhomemat.co.uk. We're on Instagram as well at motorhome matt.co.uk and on facebook as motorhome matt you can direct message us on any of those places but do get in touch we love to hear from you if you have time and you're listening on apple on a podcast app please leave us a review a five-star review and a quick comment is really welcome and very very much appreciated by both me and by keith keith doesn't get a lot of praise and so he loves getting it Thanks, Keith. Do you want to ask me a question about motorhomes, caravans, campervans, or the travel industry in general? You can suggest a topic for a future episode or ask me a specific question about your leisure vehicle or just say hi. Simply head to motorhomemat.co.uk forward slash ask Matt and send me a voice message or write to me using the form on the page. I'd love it if you're nice, but you don't have to be. We will play and answer your question in an upcoming podcast episode. So listen in to hear yours.
Thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice. We'll see you soon for another Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. <laughs>